You are listening to the teaching and preaching of Dr. Warren Wearsby. This message was recorded while he served as pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in Covington, Kentucky, or the Moody Church in Chicago, Illinois. For additional resources, please visit 2ProfitU.com. That's the number two, P-R-O-P-H-E-T-U.com. And now, Dr. Warren Wearsby. To watch someone that you love very much deteriorate physically. Many of us have gone through this experience. You visit them at home or you visit them in the hospital. And each time, a little more weight has vanished, a few more wrinkles, pain. And then one day, the Lord calls that person home. But I suggest to you there is something far worse than watching a loved one deteriorate physically. And that is watching someone deteriorate spiritually and morally. And while they are doing it, drag other people down with them. And that's the kind of a person we're going to look at tonight. We're looking at the women of Old Testament history. And it may surprise you who this woman is. At the beginning of her life, she gave promise of being a great spiritual giant. The end of her life is shrouded in mystery, heartache, and all that we're told is that she died. The story of her marriage is given to us in the longest chapter in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 24. But from then on, it's deterioration. We're talking, of course, about Rebecca, Isaac's wife. Genesis chapter 24, and then chapter 25, and then chapters 27 give us the story of Rebecca. She's the woman who would not delay. I think the best way for us to uh, study her life is to write it in five chapters. If some publisher were to come to me and say, we want you to write the life of Rebecca, I'd say, fine, there'll be five chapters in the book. And the names of the chapters will be very easy to remember. The first chapter we're going to call Decision. That's chapter one of our book, and it's chapter 24 in Genesis. Abraham is now an old man. Isaac, his son, has to have a wife because God has promised to Abraham that his descendants are going to bless all the Gentiles. Now, Abraham had to wait for some 25 years for Isaac to be born, and now Isaac is waiting for a wife. Abraham calls his steward in, and he says to him, I want you to make me a promise. You swear an oath to me that you will get my son a wife from my family. 
And so the uh, man sets out, and you know this story. It's one of the most beautiful stories in the Bible. The man sets out, and he prays. He comes to, the, to Mesopotamia. He goes to the city of Nahor. And his camel is kneeling down by the well, verse 11. It's the evening time when the women come out to draw water. And the man prays and says, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day. Show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. It was a logical place to look for a wife, wasn't it? And let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, Let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let her be the one whom thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. And thereby shall I know that thou hast shown kindness unto my master. Let me pause to say that this is not the normal procedure. I don't suggest to you unmarried men that you have a test like this. Lord, may it be that as I wait here having my gas tank filled up here at this filling station, that the next young lady who drives in in a Lincoln Continental <laughs> is the one you have chosen to be my wife. Uh, it's not usually the best thing to do to put out fleece. Now, Gideon did it, and this man did it. This is, a, this is a very special case. Now, here's the beauty of the whole story. And it came to pass before he'd finished speaking. Isn't that great? God answers even before we call that, Behold, Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. So here she was, a member of the family. She was a cousin uh, to uh, Isaac. And the damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin. Neither had any man known her. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. And the servant ran to meet her. I've marked in my Bible all the verbs of movement. She, uh, he ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water from thy pitcher. And she said, Drink, my Lord. And she hastened, there it is again, and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him to drink. Uh, pause at this point. The Lord Jesus was at a well one day and said to a woman, Give me to drink. And she said, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Rebecca wasn't like that, was she? And when she had finished giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have finished drinking. And she hastened and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again unto the well, there it is, to draw water and drew for all his camels. And the man, wondering at her, held his peace to learn whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. It came to pass as the camels had finished drinking that the man took a golden ring of half a shekel and two bracelets for her wrists of ten shekels weight of gold. And he said, Whose daughter art thou? I've underlined that in my Bible. Maybe you men want to underline that. That's the most important question you want to ask when you go out looking for a wife. Whose daughter are you? Are you in God's family? Are you in the right family? If you're not, I'm not interested. Tell me, I pray thee, is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? Of course, she answers and says, yes, there's lots of room. 
And the man bows down his head and worships the Lord and praises God for answered prayer. Verse 28, she runs again. Now her brother Laban comes out. I have to chuckle to myself a little bit when I read verse 30. I hope I'm not imputing wrong motives to Laban, her brother. It came to pass when he saw the ring and the bracelets upon his sister's wrists, and when he heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, saying, Thus spoke the man unto me, that he came unto the man, and behold, he stood by the camels at the well, and he said, Come in, thou blessed of the Lord. I think somewhat of the gold and silver had uh, an influence on him. For I have prepared the house and room for the camels. Now in verse 33, they say, Why don't you eat something? He said, No, I'm not going to eat until I've told you my errand. That also reminds me of John chapter 4. Remember? The disciples came and said to Jesus, Eat. He said, I have meat to eat that you don't know anything about. My meat is to do the will of my Father and to finish his work. Uh, it's an interesting parallel there. So he tells him the story. Abraham is old, and he has this son, and Abraham is wealthy, and of course Laban's ears uh, perked up at that. And my, my master's son wants a wife, and I prayed, and your, da your daughter and sister came down, and uh, she's the one. Well... If this happened in your living room, you'd just look at each other and say, well, how did all this happen? Verse 50, Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before thee. Take her and go. Let her be thy master's son's wife, as the Lord hath spoken. It came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard their words, he worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. And a servant brought forth jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment and gave them to Rebekah. He gave also to her brother and to her mother precious things, and they did eat and drink, he and the men that were with him. They tarried all night, rose up in the morning, and he said, Send me away unto my master. And her brother and her mother said, Let the damsel abide with us a few days. At the least ten, after that she shall go. That's kind of a normal response. We don't want her to leave too soon. He said unto them, Hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, We will call the damsel and inquire at her mouth. And they called Rebekah and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? That's a good question. And imagine what she was facing. And she said, I will go. So they say farewell, and they bless her, and away she goes. A long trip, but as they're coming to Isaac's tent, in verse 62, Isaac is coming from the well, and he goes out into the field to meditate in the evening. No doubt he's praying. He's asking God for guidance. And behold, he lifts up his eyes, and the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, when she saw Isaac, she alighted from the camel, and she said, What man is this? And the servant said, It's my master. And so she put on her veil, and the servant told Isaac all that he'd done, and Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah, and she became his wife. And he loved her, and Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. A beautiful story, isn't it? What a great way to start your life. Chapter 1, Decision. Now, you can't help but admire this girl. Why, we could make a long list of the characteristics of this girl that would make her an ideal wife. 
her industry. She's running, she's carrying water, she's doing labor around the house, she's not sitting around uh, doing nothing. Her purity, she kept herself pure. The men in the neighborhood knew that she was that kind of a girl. Her courtesy, here was a stranger. Now, an older stranger, but she was polite to him, and she said, not only will I give you water, but I'll give your camels water. Little did she realize that when she said that and did that, she had sealed the answer to a prayer. You know, we think that life is guided by the great big decisions, the big decisions of life. But life is guided by the small decisions of life. I have a little uh, motto under the uh, glass in my desk among the other debris that's there. And it reads like this. I clipped it out of the middle of a newspaper. It reads like this. Make every occasion a great occasion. You can never tell when someone might be measuring you for a bigger place. That's interesting. Did you ever notice in the Bible that the people God guided were just busy doing everyday tasks? David was not out practicing how to be a king. David was taking care of sheep. David was carrying a care package to his brothers in the army, and God called him to be a king. Peter wasn't writing sermons. He was mending his nets. And the Lord Jesus called him to be a preacher. And here is a, a dear, precious girl. No doubt she'd had many lonely hours. No doubt she'd watched some of her girlfriends get married. And, and she was saying, I wonder where my husband is. Well, God will take care of it. But just that little everyday kindness led her in the will of God. You know, my friend, if you and I will take care of the little things, they'll add up to be big things. And so I admire her for her courtesy, and I admire her for her humility. She went back to her brother and her mother and her father and talked it over. She wanted her family's blessing. And I think everyone who enters into matrimony wants their family's blessing. Now, sometimes you can't get it. Sometimes Christian kids who have unsafe parents can't get the full blessing they'd like. But ordinarily, we want the family's blessing. We want mother and dad to be happy about the situation. I admire her spirituality. Uh, she had heard her father and her brother say, the thing proceeds from the Lord, and she said, then I'll go. She's looking upon all of this as the leading of the Lord. I admire her for her faith. She'd never seen Isaac. The, the, the man didn't say, now here we have some photographs. They didn't have photographs. Very fortunate. He didn't have any pictures. He didn't have a press release. He didn't have a book of recommendations from all the, all the wealthy people. He just said, my, my master's son's name is Isaac, and I believe God's called you to be his wife. And she said, all right, I believe that too, and I'll go. That took a lot of faith. Now, all of this, of course, is a beautiful picture of how God guides in our lives. Decision. She made the decision that evening to go to the well and get water. Suppose she had decided to stay home and watch uh, Mary Hartman. Mary Hartman. Suppose her mother said, now, well, Rebecca, we need some water. It's time to go out. And she said, oh, mother, I've been doing this every day for the last six months. Can't somebody else... 
Have you people ever talked like that? I often said that to my dad and mother when they said, well, it's time to mow the lawn. Or something. Oh, Well, I've been, can't somebody else? But she didn't. She, she went and obeyed. Or suppose when she got to the well, she had looked at this fellow and said, well, who's he? Why should he care? I've got my work to do. But she wasn't like that. In the little things of the decisions that she made, she decided to go to the well. She decided to help a stranger and be kind and give some water to him and his animals. She decided to encourage her family to invite him in. And then she decided to get married. And all of these little decisions led to the big decision. It's a beautiful picture of God's guidance. When you wait on the Lord and prepare yourself and let him lead, then he answers prayer. Now, those of you who are serious Bible students, and there are many of you, of course, you see in this a beautiful picture of Christ in the church, don't you? It's one of the most marvelous pictures in the Bible of how people get saved. Here's Abraham, the father, wanting to have a wedding, get a bride for his son. God, the father, wants to get a bride for his only son. Here is Isaac. The last time you see Isaac in the Bible is in Genesis 22, prior to this chapter. In Genesis 22, he puts himself on the altar, and figuratively speaking, it's death, burial, and resurrection. Not literally, but spiritually. And it says Abraham returned, but we're not told a word about Isaac. As far as we know, Isaac was still there. Now, spiritually he was, not literally. But now the next thing we see is Isaac's coming down to greet his bride. It's a beautiful picture. The will of the Father and the work of the Son. Isaac had to put himself on the altar to get himself a bride. If he had been disobedient, it never would have worked out that way. Of course, there's the work of the Spirit. The servant here is a beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit. The servant came, and he didn't talk about himself. He talked about his master and his master's son, and he showed the wealth of the master and his master's son. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit comes to people and says, Look, I want you to know my master's son. I want you to know Jesus Christ. I want you to know the Son of God. And he speaks to us through the Word, and he shows us the wealth, the spiritual wealth. But the beautiful thing about all of this is the willingness of the bride. Now, she wasn't a bride because she had facts in her head, nor was she a bride because she had feelings in her heart. She was a bride because she said, I will. Same thing's true today. We've had many a wedding here on this platform, and... They join hands and they exchange rings. And you don't say, how do you feel? Because if you said that, you'd embarrass them. Usually the groom is trembling and the bride is trembling for the groom. Even the best man gets nervous occasionally. You don't say, how do you feel or what do you think? You say, will you? Will you have him to be your husband? I will. Will you have her to be your wife? I will. Will you go with this man? I will go. That's how people get saved. She'd never seen Isaac. You've never seen Jesus. But you know more about Jesus than she knew about Isaac. You've seen more evidence of what Jesus is and what he can do than she knew about Isaac. And yet she said, I'll go. They said, well, why don't you wait a little while? She said, no, I'm not going to delay. I will go. There are people in hell 
who said, I'll wait. I'll tarry a few days. I'll just wait. There's plenty of time, but there isn't plenty of time. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. It's a beautiful picture of how people get saved. Well, chapter 1 of her life, decision. And if you and I had been sending out the press releases to Christianity Today and Moody Monthly and all the magazines about this, we'd be saying something like this, there is a bright future for this maiden. She is a spiritually-minded girl who humbly serves. She is obedient and industrious, and she is a woman of decision. But decision can go the wrong way. We move to chapter 2 now of our story, and so far it's still good news. Over in chapter 25 of Genesis and verse 20, reading down through the chapter. Our second chapter now is called Devotion. They have been married a number of years now, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, and they waited and waited and waited for 20 more years to have a family. Look at this now. Verse 21, And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. That's devotion. Isn't it wonderful to be married to a man who can pray for you? Isn't it marvelous to be able to go to a husband and say, my dear, I've got some problems. Can you pray for me? They, apparently they must have prayed together. She was barren, and the Lord was entreated by him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Isn't it great to have somebody in your family who can pray and God answers? I've said this often from this pulpit to the young people of the church. Whatever else your father and your mother can give you, they may not be able to leave you yachts and things like that, but whatever else they can give you, if you've got parents who can pray for you and God answers, you have got the greatest blessing in all the world. It's a marvelous thing. Well, the children struggled together within her, and she said, if it be so, why am I thus? If this is an answer to prayer, it's sure a strange one. And she went to inquire of the Lord. How marvelous. Here's some further devotion. Not only is Isaac the kind of a man who can pray and God answers, but, Re but Rebecca's the kind of a mother who can pray. She said, I want to know the will of the Lord. That's a great thing. And so she went and talked to the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be born of thee, and the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. That was backwards. All the way through Jewish history, the firstborn gets the blessing, the firstborn gets the birthright. God says it's going to be different here. It's going to be reversed. You can go through your Bible and you'll find that often God does this. God rejects the first birth and chooses the second birth. He rejected Cain and chose Abel. He rejected Ishmael, Abraham's firstborn, and he chose Isaac, his secondborn. He rejected Esau and chose Jacob. By the way, he rejected your first birth. Did you know that? God hasn't accepted your first birth. He's not impressed about our first birth. You've got to have a second birth. You must be born again. 
Well, here we have devotion. And if it only had stayed this way, if only we would have had the husband and the wife praying, meditating, seeking the will of the Lord, but it didn't happen that way. As you continue to study this chapter, you move into chapter 3 of her life, division. This home that used to be united in the Lord begins to fall apart. Now, it took a few years for it to happen. I want to issue a word of warning. I speak to my own heart, and I speak to your heart. It takes a few years for these things to happen, but if we aren't careful, even a great Christian home that began with such blessing can fall apart. It happened here. Uh, Isaac was 60 years old when these children were born. And the children turned out to be, as the Lord said, exactly opposite each other. Verse 27, the boys grew. Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. He subscribed to Field and Stream magazine and Sports of Field, and he went down to the boat shows, and he was the, an outdoorsman. Now, Isaac wasn't that kind of a person. Isaac himself was a rather meditative, quiet kind of a person. And those kind often admire their opposites. Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. And we read later on that Jacob was a pretty good cook, too. Verse 28, and Isaac loved Esau. Why? Because Esau was such a spiritual man. No. Isaac loved Esau because Esau was good to his father. No. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. Now, here we have a father who's starting to deteriorate a little bit. Here's the man who was on the altar. Here was the man who said, Behold the wood and the fire, but where's the lamb for the sacrifice? Here's the man who came out and meditated in the field and prayed. Here's the man who said, God, find me a wife. And now what's he doing? He's starting to live for the things of the flesh. There's nothing wrong with eating venison. If you like venison, nothing wrong with it. But it stood for something. We have a divided home here. And whenever Isaac and Rebekah would talk about their boys, there'd be a fight. Because it goes on to say, but Rebekah loved Jacob, a divided home. Now, that what caused this division? Well, several things caused it. The first, I've already suggested to you, Isaac and Rebekah were deteriorating in their spiritual lives. We don't read that Isaac prayed with Esau. We don't read that Rebekah prayed with Jacob. We don't even read that the four of them got together and prayed. We don't read any more about uh, Isaac and the Lord. It's Isaac and the venison, Isaac and the food. I say it again, it's a tragedy to watch a home deteriorate because people's values begin to change. A couple gets married, and they don't have a whole lot, two or three books of green stamps and some, uh, some groceries. And a few. They get started, you know, but the Lord's the important thing, and prayer is the important thing, and the Word of God is the important thing. Then they start getting more and getting more. Nothing wrong with that. It's marvelous when God can provide and trust us with more, but, oh, we've got to be careful that the more doesn't take the place of the Lord. It's good to have the things that money can buy. 
God gives us richly all things to enjoy, but it's far better to have the things that money can't buy. And if you have the things that money can buy and you don't have the things that money can't buy, you won't enjoy the things that money can buy. Division. But if you want to know the real reason for this division, just turn back to the book of James, chapter 4. This is why homes fall apart. James, chapter 4. This is why Christian people who once were at the altar fight each other. This is why we have splits and separations and problems. From whence come wars and fightings among you? And he was writing to Christians. Come they not hear even of your desires, your pleasures that war in your members? There's war on the outside because there's war on the inside. Isaac wanted the pleasure of eating and and Rebecca wanted the pleasure of seeing her son get what God wanted for him. You lust and have not, you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain, you fight and you war, but you have not because you ask not. And you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may devour it upon your own lusts. The sad tale, isn't it? Division. Now this leads us to chapter 4 in their lives. Deception. And here we find it in Genesis chapter 27. Now, it's a long chapter, and I'm not going into every detail of it because you know the story. Isaac thinks he's going to die. I kind of get the impression that in his later years, Isaac became somewhat of a hypochondriac. Actually, he lived for many years after that. And so he calls Esau in. He says, oh, your father's going to die. I had a great aunt who was always going to die. She outlived her husband and her son and almost a number of other relatives, too. Isaac was going to die. But he doesn't call Jacob in. Now, he knew what God said. He knew that God had said, Jacob gets the blessing. He knew that. But you see, Isaac is trying to deceive God, trying to fool God. He says, Esau, you go out and get me some of that venison that I love, and after I eat it, I'll give you the blessing. I don't know how that uh, hits you, but it hits me just a little bit unspiritual. He should have said, I want to give you the blessing. That's the important thing. But he puts first having a good meal. I say it again. I think Isaac has deteriorated somewhat. Well, Rebecca's listening at the door. Wouldn't you love to live in a home like that where when you're talking to somebody, somebody's got their ear to the keyhole listening? And so she goes and gets Jacob. All they needed was a sponsor, and they could have gone on television. She goes and gets Jacob and said, I've just heard your father's going to die. Now you do what I tell you. Remember the story? You go out and get some goats, and you cover your arms with their skin because uh, Esau's a hairy man, and I'll fix up the goat meat to be like venison. She must have been quite a cook. Anybody that could make that meat taste like venison, but she did it. And uh, you see, Isaac is trying to fool God. Rebecca is trying to fool Isaac. And dear Jacob, he thinks he's deceiving his father, but he's not. He's just deceiving himself. And the whole thing becomes confusion, and God's not the author of confusion. And so Jacob goes in and lies. Oh, chapter uh, 27 Verse 18, he comes in and says, My father, 
And he said, Here am I. Who art thou, my son? He's kind of suspicious. Now, he was blind. He couldn't see. And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn, line number one. I have done according as thou badest me, line number two. I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, line number three. And Isaac says to his son, How is it thou hast found it so quickly? And here's line number four. He drags the Lord in on it, because the Lord thy God brought it to me. Hmm. I've had people say to me, Well, the Lord led me. Well, he says, Are you really my son? Look at verse 21. Come over that I may feel you. And Jacob went near. He says, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He's depending upon his senses, not spiritual senses, physical. Feeling in verse 21 and hearing in verse 22 and up in verse 25. Bring it near that I will eat it. Tasting, verse 27. He came near and kissed his father and he smelled the smell of his raiment because Jacob was wearing Esau's clothes and he smelled the smell of the field. He was depending upon his... He was walking by the physical, not by the spiritual. Feeling and hearing and tasting and smelling. I'd hate to go through life depending on that. Far better to depend upon the things of the Lord. Well, he gives him the blessing. And he no sooner goes out than Esau comes in. He says, Father, I've got your dinner for you. Who are you? I'm Esau, your firstborn. Who was that? Must have been Jacob. In verse 33, Isaac trembled. You know why he trembled? God caught up with him. Isaac was saying, I tried to fool you, Lord, and I couldn't do it. Now, this doesn't excuse Jacob, and it doesn't excuse Rebekah. Where God cannot rule, he overrules. But this whole thing is a picture of deception. Isaac trying to deceive God and Rebekah trying to deceive Isaac. She's going to help God fulfill his own promises. And dear Jacob, deceiving himself, I've got to drop this in. I'm just going to take an extra minute to drop this in because we need it. You know, Jacob paid for this. He paid for this dearly. We look upon sin differently from the way God does. We look upon sin as an act an event. God looks upon sin as a process. We say, well, I did this and it's over with. Oh, no, it's not over with. A few years later, Jacob had somebody lie to him. He met old Laban, and I tell you, he met his match when he met Laban. And he lied to him about his wages. And he even lied to him about his wives. Dear Jacob woke up the next morning and discovered he'd been married to the wrong woman and had to work for seven more years to get the right woman. And then years after that, Jacob's own sons lied to him about their brother, Joseph. Remember how they came in with uh, a garment that had blood on it? Where'd that blood come from? They killed an animal. Jacob killed an animal to deceive his father, and his sons turned right around and killed an animal to deceive their father. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And I'll tell you, folks, one of the most difficult ways to reap what we have sown is in the lives of our own flesh and blood. 
deception. Whenever we tell the truth, the Holy Spirit works. Whenever we tell a lie, the devil works. And the devil is a thief, a robber, and a destroyer. And when you read chapter 27 of Genesis, everything falls apart. What is the last uh, chapter in her story? Decision, oh, what a spiritual woman she was. Devotion, praying and seeking the will of God. Division, looking at life by sight, not by faith. Trying to help God take care of things, getting things in your own hands. Deception. Would you think that this beautiful, wonderful woman would have stooped? Yes. Or you say, I could never do that. Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Noah, do you think you'll ever get drunk? Of course not. He did. Abraham, do you think you'll ever tell a lie? I'm a man of faith. He did twice. David, you think you'll ever commit adultery? I wrote the 23rd Psalm. He did, and had to turn around and write the 51st Psalm. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now let me prove it to you. When the lights went out in New York City, people said, uh-huh, we won't get caught. And brought about millions of dollars of thievery and damage. I wonder what would happen in the city of Chicago if people thought they wouldn't get caught. You say, well, it's not in my heart. Yes, it is. It's in all of our hearts. I wonder what some of us would do tonight if we actually thought we weren't going to get caught. And Isaac thought he wouldn't get caught, but God caught up to him and said, Isaac, you can't bless Esau. That's not my plan. Jacob thought he wouldn't get caught. He got caught. He spent 20 years paying for that. Rebecca thought she wouldn't get caught. She got caught because the last chapter of her book, Disappointment, she says to Jacob when she hears that Esau is going to kill him, what a home to be living in. Brother fighting brother, wife deceiving husband, husband deceiving God. She says to Jacob, look, get out of here. Go to my family and stay a few days. It's rather interesting. Verse 44 of chapter 27. Tarry with Laban a few days until your brother's temper is cooled off. A few days turned into 20 years, and she never saw Jacob again. Her little mama baby that she pampered, her little son that she felt she couldn't give to God, she lost him. She lost him. There's a principle in the Word of God that says whatever you keep, you'll lose. Whatever you give, you'll keep. Isaac knew that. One day Abraham said, Son, 
God has told me to put you on the altar. I'll do it, Father, whatever you say. And so Abraham put him on the altar and gave him to God, and God gave him back. When God said to, to Rebekah, Jacob is going to get the blessing. I'm not going to abandon Esau, but Jacob's going to get the blessing. Now let me work it out my way. She should have said, Oh God, I give to you my sons. Here they are. I'm presenting them to you. They're yours. You work it out your way. The last chapter of the book wouldn't have been disappointment, but she had to hold on to Jacob. She had to run his life. She had to second-guess God. She had to do things because God couldn't do it. And she lost him. Whatever you keep, you lose. Whatever you give, you keep. He that saveth his life shall lose it. He that loses his life for my sake in the Gospels, the same shall save it. And the last chapter in her story is disappointment. Now, Jacob got the blessing. Jacob ultimately fulfilled the will of God, but he did it the hard way. There would have been an easier way, but it was done the hard way. You and I can fulfill the will of God the hard way. Jonah fulfilled the will of God the hard way. Disappointment. And we wouldn't even know about her death except that uh, Jacob, at the end of his life, talks about where his mother is buried. Kind of sad, isn't it? That this marvelous, pure, believing, courageous, decisive girl should end up a manipulating, scheming, lying failure. Can it happen to us? Yes. Many of us can remember when Dr. William Culbertson used to minister in the Chicago area. And so often he would pray like this, O oh Lord, help us to end well. Remember that? I've heard him say it many times. Help us to end well. Watch your beginnings. Her beginnings were tremendous, but I want to warn you, and I warn myself, good beginnings don't always mean good endings. There are folks here tonight who have had great beginnings, good families, good training, spiritual upbuilding. That doesn't guarantee the ending will be good. Samson had great beginnings. His ending wasn't so good. Watch your beginnings. Make that right decision. Young man, you say to that girl, whose daughter are you? Are you a child of God? If you aren't, sorry. But good beginnings do not guarantee good endings. Where did she fail? Well, she failed in the very thing that, that Rosalie Ashton sang about tonight. She wouldn't let God have his way. It had to be her way her plans, her schemes. My good friend Pete Quist, who is the uh, business manager for the Radio Bible class, taught me a great lesson when we were working together in Youth for Christ. 
he had on his desk a little motto that said, Faith is living without scheming. And he showed me that one day, and I said, Aha, I like that. Faith is living without scheming. We don't have to scheme to serve God. Just find out what he wants and let him do it in his way, in his time. Give it to the Lord. Husbands, give your wives and children to the Lord. Wives, give your husbands and children to the Lord. Singles, give your lives, your friends to the Lord. And let him work it out. If we do, the last chapter will not be disappointment. It'll be delight. Because he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Let's bow to pray. As we bow together, it may be that some are here tonight who have never, ever trusted Christ. The Holy Spirit has said to you, will you go with this man? And you have not said, I will go. You ought to do that tonight. You don't have the assurance in your heart that you're born again, that you're saved, that you're going to heaven, that your sins are forgiven. You ought to have that assurance tonight. No reason to wait 10 days, no reason to wait 10 minutes. Give your heart to Jesus Christ through faith in him, not by religion, by faith. We're going to be singing a closing song, and while we sing that song, we'd like to invite you to come. Go into the prayer room. The counselors will be waiting there. They'll be glad to open the Word of God and show you how you can know that you're saved. You can know that you're going to heaven. And there may be some here tonight who have been second-guessing God. You know that you're saved, no question about that, but you haven't really given him his way in your life. You're still holding on to something. You're going to run it your way. You're going to manipulate it your way. My friend, it'll burn your fingers. It'll break your heart. Turn it over to him tonight. Just let him have his way. Father, I pray that decisions will be made tonight that will steer people away from disappointment and doom and destruction into the delight of your will. May those who need Christ come to trust him and may those who need to be surrendered and obedient yield to him. Do have your way tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All of Dr. Warren Wearsby's material is owned and managed by Script Text. The material contained in this podcast is copyrighted and is for personal use only, not to be duplicated or sold without prior written consent from Script Text. <laughs>